one thing I definitely do see people doing is then in a year and a half, two years, when that drive starts filling up, they just unplug that drive and stick it in a cabinet and never look at it again and say, oh, I, I know, I know that's backed up. If I ever need to, I can go back to it. That drive is not going to last that long. You don't want to realize that your half your photography career of all of those awesome images that you've taken, you just can't find one day. That's why it's important to just always put them in the same two places every single time. And that way you also don't end up with a situation that I've seen a ton of photographers in. They were trying to back up constantly. They've got like four copies of their files on one drive sometime, but never knew where anything was backed up. Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Hadfield, and today we are chatting with data storage expert Will Yarbrough about how to tackle your data storage needs, how to know how much storage space you actually need, how to ensure that your photos are actually safe, and how to know when to upgrade, and so much more. This episode is brought to you by CloudSpot, the all-in-one and way better than Google Drive solution to deliver and even sell your photos online. You can grab your free forever CloudSpot account with 10 gigabytes of photo storage for free over at deliverphotos.com. Now, as many of you may know, I've been a longtime supporter of Drobo. Drobo uh, was a company that made amazing storage solutions that I thought were just perfect for photographers. Um... Well, the company went belly up not long ago, and unfortunately, my Drobo unit died shortly after that. So that left me looking for a replacement, and you would not believe it, but there really aren't that many good and simple options to replace the Drobo. So I had to look for other solutions, and that's when I found our guest today, Will, who goes by uh, the name Space Rex on YouTube. I'd like to think that I'm a pretty smart guy when it comes to storage needs and security. I've been doing it for a while, uh, you know, for myself personally, but I was facing such a huge learning curve transitioning from Drobo to Synology, which is what I ultimately ended up going with. And Will's videos on YouTube made learning about the Synology ecosystem and the, just the whole process so, so much easier. It helped out so much. So I invited Will on today to talk with you about the world of storage, uh, hard drives versus SSDs, uh, keeping your photos safe, uh, what we need as a bare minimum, and how to look to the future and anticipate what your storage needs could be. In this interview, we do we do get technical. So if you're having a hard time keeping up, it's not you. It is the world of data management that can be overwhelming. So I encourage you to to try to hang on, you know, and keep listening because if you do. I know that it will help you out so much. Also, this is the last interview of the year on purpose. Now that it is, you know, the time when shoots slow down and you're not going out as much on your own, this is the perfect time to reassess what you're doing and prepare for when winter is over and you are out shooting again. And that is why I took the info that Will shares with us today, and I created something I think is pretty special to help you take action and secure your photos. So stick around to the end of the uh, interview where I'm going to tell you more about it. So with that, let's go ahead and get on into today's podcast interview with Will Yarbrough. The first question that I have for you, Will, is, well, typically it's when did you know that photography was going to play an important role in your life? But I want to know, when did you know that data was going to play an important role in your life? Okay, so I, I'm at a weird place in life where like I, I, I was an engineer 
I went to college for engineering. I was a mechanical engineer, got a job as a mechanical engineer, doing everything I loved. And then I just kind of one day was like, ah, I want to learn how to make videos. I want to learn how to do a video production. What do I know? What, what can I make a tutorial on? And I settled on data storage, essentially. And it was just one of those things where it's like, hi, ah, yeah, on, on my weekends, my, my uh, girlfriend at the time is now my wife was still living in Raleigh, finishing up her last year of college. Um, and so it was just like, I had a lot of free time, I'm like, well, let's do that. And then it just kind of slowly snowballed where people were like, Hey, you clearly know what you're doing. Can I just hire you? I was like, uh, I guess like, sure. And it, it's just like the, the past, like two years is probably when I'd say is like, okay, yeah, I'm now like a data storage expert. If that's even a thing. <laughs> that is so funny it's always strange. So I always love asking this question specifically for photographers who go to school for something else. So I actually just interviewed somebody who was a, I believe also a mechanical engineer. She worked on like bridges and stuff. And yeah. I'm like, how do you, how do you make that decision to now leave this thing that essentially you went to school, like to learn to pursue this in your case, a more creative path. Yeah, I mean, it was honestly the, it was kind of a path least resistance kind of thing. I, I was fortunate enough to, it was something I was just able to do on on the side. And then I, I was, I was really lucky. I was in a really good position with my old job where I had a lot of leeway where I, I could kind of do whatever I wanted. They, they, they just knew I was going to get my work done as long as I got my hours in. That, that was really all that I had to do. And I, I was pretty much my own boss. Kind of, It's a very strange situation. <laughs> And like I told him, like I actually gave my new boss his second day on the job an eight month notice that I was going to be quitting. An eight month notice. Is that a it, common thing in, in your position? I was in a weird place where I, I just kind of had like because of a lot of management changes and stuff, I was in charge of myself and building this program that I spent two years developing and, and writing code for and doing a full analysis on. It's like if I leave now, uh, I absolutely know that will go away and nobody will have a clue what I did. And I was I was lucky enough where it's like, I've got goodwill. I may as well just tell them. And that was just kind of it. So it was a funny thing where like I would leave work to go do other work sometimes and be like, yep, sorry, I'll clock back in later. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, and then, yeah, it just really came down to it. I think it was actually last December. So not not even a year ago now. Where we were, we were, my wife and I were driving up to uh, Asheville, which is where my parents are. We're like, we should just quit and do this full time already. Like, <laughs> and we, we ended up like on a kind of a, a rash decision, like three months later, quit our jobs, sold our house and moved back up to Raleigh, North Carolina from Huntsville, Alabama. Oh my gosh. That is terrifying. What did your parents think? Oh, my my parents, like my dad has no clue what I do. He, <laughs> he, he just no clue what servers are storage is at all. Stresses him out. He, I, I get phone calls. He doesn't understand Wi-Fi. Like that, that is the level where it's like, yeah, he, he gets cell phone coverage because it, it, it works, but trying to get him on Wi-Fi, it's, it's <laughs> a, uh, it's a conversation. So he's like trying to be supportive, but you can tell he's super worried about it because I had a great job before. He's like, it's such a great job. You can like <laughs> tell that internal side of things. Um, but no, I was like, guys, y'all always told me to be my own boss and get my own, my own company. You're like, and I actually do it. And now you're like, you're not going to make it. I'm like, really? <laughs> so they obviously just, just didn't understand the subject matter. They, they still had faith in you. Just, they didn't understand what it was that you were doing. 
They did not. It was just like they they were like being supportive, but at the same time, you could just tell they were super stressed. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's typically what I hear from others is that the parents are just like, we we want to support you and we hope that this is the best. But uh, good luck. We don't understand it. And well, that's I'm glad that you went off and you did it, because honestly, when um, and I've shared this story on the podcast before, I as a wedding photographer, as you can imagine, come up with a lot of images, right? Over mm-hmm. over years, they start to build up. So a long time ago, I invested in a uh, Drobo, loved every minute of it until they went out of business. And then I had upgraded my computer and there's no sort of compatibility. You know what I did? I kept my old iMac and yep. then just did a Thunderbolt bridge to my computer so that I could access my Drobo. And I was like, this is ridiculous like i bought a laptop so that i could be portable with this thing and it wasn't working out and then after the second time it died i replaced it i bought I, like i had to buy one from somebody else because yeah can't buy eBay, yes yeah this was facebook marketplace and luckily a listener uh hooked me up with a link from somebody local to him and he was able to send it to me but um that one just died so i had to look into a different solution. And then that's when I started to find Synology stuff. And that is how I found you. So I'm so glad that you did not listen to your parents and stick to your job because out of all of the universe of people who talk about data uh, and specifically network attached storage and Synology online, I feel like you do a wonderful job at explaining it in a way that is easy enough to understand, but clearly with experience. It's not like you set one up And now you're making YouTube content about how you did it, but like you're doing this a lot and you're helping others. And on top of that, you also are knowledgeable about photography. So tell me a little bit about your photography background as well. Yeah. So funny enough, like photography is actually how I got my first NAS. Like I was in the exact same boat as you. I, I had a external hard drive that was kind of starting to fill up and it's like, man, this gotta be a better way. Like uh, it is, and I ended up finding a company called Synology NAS online. I was like, okay, I guess it's kind of, I, I had no clue what a NAS was like at the time. I was like, I guess it's kind of like an external hard drive, but its own thing. And it just led me down the rabbit hole of just like, somehow now this is my full-time job. <laughs> I, I started, my, my grandmother was always kind of like the family photographer and I, I always enjoyed it in like middle school and stuff. Um, but it was really like, I went to Italy my senior year of high school and I was like, I wish I had a camera. You just see all these gorgeous scenes and everything. It's like, I really wish I had a camera that was better than just my smartphone. And after that, I was like, I'm going to get a, a DSLR. And I got a Canon. Oh, I think it was like a, a T6 or a T5 or T6. And it was the one just like one generation behind the other one. It's like, all right, I'm going to start doing it. And that, that's where I, I kind of really, I, I enjoyed the almost like the math aspect of it mm-hmm. where you, you just calculate exposure. It's just, it's just logarithmic equations and it's just calculating exposure on how everything works. And that I, I ended up really enjoying that side of things and almost, almost the science of it more so than necessarily the creative side of it. Yeah. It was just like, you, you do this, 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 and this, and you get the image. I, I I've always found that fascinating. No, I agree. And I feel a similar way as well. When I had learned exposure to, because for me, it was always taught as like, you can use whatever you want. And I'm like, okay, great. But like, where do we start? You know? Mm-hmm. And so to know 
uh, what how a light meter works and to know like what a quote unquote proper exposure is and then how you can adjust it from there really got me excited to see stops and how, you know, you just double or you half and then the amount of light changes is really exciting stuff. Um, so what sorts of things were you photographing at the time? Was it, this was just your life? Yeah, so it was it was a lot of um in, in high school, we, I lived in Asheville, North Carolina, which was super useful. It's gorgeous in the Blue Ridge Mountains. I was like five miles from great hiking trails and stuff. So it's just like go up there and do do a lot of landscapes and stuff. And then in college, I did a lot of senior photos and that, that kind of side of things. But I, I think what I've always really enjoyed was like the landscape side of things where you can really kind of get everything set up perfectly and just really kind of take a shot figure out what you do and don't like about it and try, try again, all with like the same subject, not really moving or anything and kind of getting that, that kind of precision down that I've, I've always really enjoyed. Of course. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of new photographers enjoy about it as well. Cause when you're photographing a kid, I mean, just constant movement, it can be hard to learn your camera when everything is changing, when more than one yeah. aspect is changing for sure. So you said that you're taking these photos, you're realizing, oh my gosh, all these hard drives are, are, are filling up. Uh, is that how you started? You, were you just buying multiple different hard drives? Uh, I, I, I got one five terabyte hard drive and then I realized that it's like, oh, there's no way that like, how do I, how do I manage this? Right. It's, it's, uh, it's only plugged into this one device. Like there's gotta be a better way. And then I, I start researching and I just am like, oh, there, there's a thing called a NAS. I, I had no concept of what that was beforehand. Like I would have just called that a server beforehand, but it's it's a specific type of server that that just allows you to store files. And then there does all of these other things. And it went <laughs> down the deep, deep rabbit hole of just finding out every little thing you can do on it. Now, one one reason why I wanted to bring you on today is because from where I'm at, it doesn't make sense to have multiple different hard drives from where somebody brand new to photography is at. Maybe it does. I don't know. So I thought I want to chat with you to kind of figure out maybe what is a roadmap to upgrade our data solutions, because uh, you just don't know when you need to do it. And a lot of listeners right now think to themselves, I have four external hard drives on my desk and I have to plug in each one and try to find the photo. And if that's not it, unplug it, plug in a new one. And it's, it's a huge thing. But some people are just getting started and, you know, maybe their computer is enough. So does that sound good to you? Does that sound like something that, that we can that do? That sounds, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So trying to break it down in my head, when it comes to photographers, there's uh, three or four different steps to where they're at, right? So let's start off with those, I mean, brand new to photography, maybe they've been doing it between zero, six months. What do, you've been there, what do your storage needs look like at that point? That is one of those places where it's like, it, I, I've I've seen a lot of sides of it where there's that person who has like, oh, I, my camera can do 20 frames per second. We're doing 20 frames per second all the time. Of course. But for, for your, your normal person, honestly, a laptop just works. Like just keep enough storage on your laptop and and call your raw files. Like that, that's the biggest thing to do is is just not feel like you have to keep every little thing because so many people I know keep everything. And I'm talking everything, their focus tests, all these things where it's like, all right. And then you, you almost water down the experience because you're, you're looking through your catalog and you just see so many images you just do not care about. And it's, it's hard to find the stuff you like, honestly. Mm. So to me, it's just like, get a laptop. And the biggest thing is just making sure 
that your files are backed up in some way that makes sense to you. I think honestly, for most people, Backblaze, they've got a subscription that's like seven bucks a month and you get a, uh, you get your entire laptop and any other external hard drives backed up for that. And it's just easy. It's one of those things you set, you do it and you can kind of forget. And then you just know if anything, if your laptop crashes, you've got that ability to go back. I will admit I have forgotten about Backblaze before. And it wasn't until like a month after, oh, it was right after my Drobo died. Well, it was 30 days after the Drobo died when Backblaze was like, hey, you're getting close. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I got Backblaze. And uh, so, yeah, I can attest to how 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 easy that can be. But I want to go back to what you had said earlier about, you know, just using your laptop. Laptop works great just in the beginning. You said just make sure that you have enough storage. How do we how do we know what is enough storage? And that, that's the, that's the biggest thing. It, it really comes down to what, what kind of photographer are you? Are you the family photographer who you're just going to keep the JPEGs out of camera? Cause you know, you're really about documenting your family's history and, and not having to pull every single shadow perfectly. If you're just keeping the process JPEGs or even the out of camera JPEGs, I mean, 500 gigabytes for, for Windows or Mac will be enough for a long time where you really start getting is where you've got these massive raw files and all these cameras, they're not only getting way faster frames per second, but the file sizes are also getting so much bigger mm-hmm. and not, not only in mega megapixels, but also in dynamic range. And that, that just keeps taking up more and more space to, to hold all of that data. Um, and so that's where, if you're somebody who, who really wants to, to be able to store everything and never lose a file or anything like that, that's where, I mean, Two terabytes is probably a, a good place to start to, for, for a lot of that. And that is where you're going to be really simple because you're all in one place. You don't have to worry about where your files are. They're just always in your backpack. But then after that, after you start either paying a lot of money for laptop storage or you have to go to other solutions, which can get really complicated quick. Uh, okay, gotcha. So let's say that uh, somebody's listening a year or two in the future a good place to start. If if you had a computer with two terabytes, you're you're good to get started. You got you got no worries as far as storage goes. Hey, Raymond here. Are you looking for fresh inspiration behind the lens? Whether you're in a bit of a creative slump or just eager to try something new, I've got just the thing for you. Our free download, 46 Creative Photography Ideas to Get You Out of a Rut, is packed with unique, imaginative, and fun photography challenges that will rekindle your passion and help you see the world through a new perspective. From capturing the beauty of the night sky to transforming everyday objects into artistic masterpieces. Each idea is designed to spark your creativity and elevate your photography skills. And the best part? It's completely free. So why wait? Visit creativeimageideas.com right now and grab your free guide. Let's turn that inspiration into stunning images. Yeah, absolutely. That's just a, a easy place where, I mean, you're going to be able to shoot for, unless you're somebody just holding on to every single image <laughs> and taking thousands of images per day, Yeah, you're going to be good for a very long time. And I, I work with some professional photographers who delete raw files after three months. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't need them. I've done my edit. I'm going to keep the, the process uh, like TIFF and that's it. That is really all they're, they're going to do is, is keep that. I'm like, 
how? <laughs> At one point, it's do you keep everything or do you only keep, uh, you know, the, the few that you deliver? Yeah, that's a that's a balance for sure. And uh, for context, I guess to help out for anybody listening, when I would shoot weddings, I mean, I'd go for probably eight hours, obviously shooting raw. I would come home with about 120 gigs of uh, images. So what doing the math that's like eight almost 10 weddings worth of uh worth of storage for two terabytes so if you're not shooting weddings that um should last you quite uh quite a while so that that's great that's great now you mentioned black backblaze as well um i guess obviously i have backblaze so it made sense to me for those listening who don't have it or don't know what it is can you explain that a little further yeah backblaze it's just one of those companies that's actually like I, I like what they do on the internet. They, they're just like kind of, they release all their data. So they, they are a backup company. That, that's kind of their first through and through. That's what they do is they, they provide easy ways to backup computers at, at low flat rates where there's not a lot of services out there where you can still get truly unlimited storage. Like with that Drobo you had, you were able to get a hundred terabytes yeah. into your Backblaze account. And they were definitely taking a loss on you because they, <laughs> they $7 a month does not cover a hundred terabytes of no. space, especially once you, you have like geo redundancy on there. <laughs> um, and they're just one of those companies. They, they, they like publish every year, their hard drive statistics on, Hey, how long did it take for hard drives to fail? And just all that kind of stuff where it just, it's one of those companies that does fun stuff like that and, and has an easy backup solution for just, you just kind of set it, back up your entire computer, the cloud. If you need to grab a file, you just download it from the cloud. Perfect. So um, one of the misconceptions, and maybe you can clear this up. I know a lot of people when they think, oh, my hard drive is starting to get full. I need an external hard drive. Is that where we go to next between the six and 24 month phase? Uh, so that, that it comes down to who you are is the biggest piece. Uh, for people who are honestly not computer people, Absolutely. Like get a, I don't know, they, they, they sell 22 terabyte external drives like that, that you plug them into power. They honestly just kind of work. It, it's, it's like your Drobo. You don't have to change your workflow at all. You just, if you're using Lightroom, just make sure to keep your like catalog file on your local computer. And then the actual raw files, you can just copy over there. Everything's solid. And it, it just keeps your life easy. I absolutely love a NAS. But at the same time, if you're not, really like computers are not your forte, especially if you've only got a small amount of data, but enough where it doesn't necessarily fit on a laptop anymore, but you you still can fit it on a hard drive. Staying into that external hard drive is just great. But the problem then comes down to how do you want to back it up? And what what do you care about for your images? For for most people, I kind of tell them, if always make sure you know where every single JPEG you've ever exported is. Because to me, if I'm exporting a JPEG, that means I liked it. That means that I processed it. I, for whatever reason, liked it. And making sure that those files are wherever you need them is crucial. Because for me, I would love to keep all my raw files from 2015. But if I lost them, I, I've not gone back to them in such a long time. But if I lost all my exported images, all my family gatherings and all my um, times I've gone on trips and everything like that, that's what would crush me. You know, it's it's having those truly good images that you actually liked and exported is the most important thing where you, you should always know exactly where they are. They should always be in at least two places. 
Mm, that is a that's that's a great way to look at it there. So when we say that it should be in at least two places, so I guess the disconnect that I see is when people buy an external drive, and then rather than saving things onto their computer, they start saving it on the drive and saying, "Great, now I'm backed up because it's on an external drive." Um, is that the case? Uh, external drives. You should just anytime you get one, just expect them to fail. Quite like th- there's a reason why. Oftentimes, these hard drives in a case with everything, they're actually cheaper than internal computer hard drives, even though in here, there's an internal computer hard drive. Basically, they take the cheapest, like the, the drives that did not necessarily pass all of QC and ones that, hey, maybe the, the drive itself did not fail, but that batch had 10% more failures than they're used to. So like, we can't really sell them as internal drives, but we'll sell them in this. That's where you should expect them to fail. Just genuinely, whenever you're thinking about it, just expect an external hard drive to fail. Actually, expect any hard drive to fail. SSDs do tend to be a lot better. SSDs can last a lot longer and do tend to be much more durable. There's no moving parts in them. They don't wear out in the same way. They they tend to have a very, very, very long life, especially from a photographer's standpoint. So you you had mentioned make sure that all your JPEGs are in two places. What does that mean? So for me, I, I really prefer people having them in like ideally every time you say export something, just get in the habit of export it to the exact same folder on your computer. And I, I think on your computer, just because that's the place where it's always hooked up. You always have them. That way, if you're out with somebody and you've got your computer, oh, you can pull up all those things. Then... There's so many different options for for how you can get them to be backed up as well. For JPEGs, two is really the minimum in my experience, just because they're so cheap. A, a JPEG, a processed JPEG, is like 500 kilobytes. It, it is just so small. You can store thousands of them, and they're the best you've got. So I, I tend to tell people if you've got Windows, put them on iCloud or uh, for, put them on OneDrive. If you've got Mac OS, put them on iCloud Drive. Just be able to have those. In addition to all the other things, just because that's the stuff you want to make sure no matter what happens, you have access to. So when we go to export a photo, we export it one onto our computer and then two onto either an external drive, an iCloud account if we're on a Mac or say OneDrive if we're on a PC. That seems like a lot of extra steps. Why Why are we doing this? What, what's, the, what's the point of putting this in two places? The, the beauty of that is you just want to know that anything can happen and you've got your photos. That, that's the biggest thing is just get in the habit of just always doing that. And then it's basically all you always know where everything is. One thing I definitely do see people doing is then in a year and a half, two years, when that drive starts filling up, they just unplug that drive and stick it in a cabinet and never look at it again and say, <laughs> oh, I, I know I know that's backed up. If I ever if I ever need to, I can go back to it. And that, that's one of those fallacies where it's like, all right, that drive is not going to last that long. So that, that's why it's important to just really have that redundancy because you don't want to realize that your half your photography career of all of those awesome images that you've taken, you just can't find one day. It's that's why it's important to just always put them in the same two places every single time. 
And that way you also don't end up with a situation that I've seen a ton of photographers in who are on the opposite end of the scale, who back up everything always constantly, but in different ways where it's like their E drive is backed up to their F drive. And then it's also backed up to their G drive because they've got like four copies of their files on one drive sometime just because they were so like they, they were trying to back up constantly but never knew where anything was backed up. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. So we're trying to just avoid any sort of uh, issue as far as a hard drive failing or losing a computer or anything like that. Because now if it's either on an external drive or a cloud storage, say something does happen to our computer where we do export and access our photos, if something happens to that computer, we're still able to get access to our JPEGs in these other locations. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it's, this is kind of one of those bare minimums, minimums too. Obviously it's great to back everything completely up that you own, but really making sure to think about the, the key stuff that is like, I am in so much trouble. I am going to feel horrible if I lose these things mm. is kind of what I try to tell people. Because if you go about the approach of like for, for a business, it's what's called a three to one backup solution. Three total copies of your data across two different mediums and one of them offsite. It's just one of those things where it's not reasonable for so many people to do that. And you, you feel like if you don't do that, it's not worth backing up at all. It's just like one of those things where make sure you just know what's important in your life. You know, make sure you know that stuff that's really, really, really criti critical. So you know that you've got true, easy ways of accessing those no matter what happens. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh, we talked about Backblaze for the, you know, having just your external internal um, internal drive on your computer and then having that backed up to Backblaze uh, as really like, that's how you get started. That's the easiest way to get started. Um, and Backblaze will also work with an external drive. They're, they're I mean, as you said, your Drobo, like they, they will do that too, which is just it, for for a perfect solution, Backblaze is not like this ironclad thing, but it is such an easy way of getting started mm -hmm. and getting everything going that it's just so easy to recommend for that. Right. Of course. Yeah. Especially for the amount of storage it is. Truly bananas. Um, so uh, we had talked about exporting JPEGs onto your internal drive as well as, say, a cloud drive. Uh, if you're, say, between, I don't know, 6 and 24 months as your storage needs grow, are we still using Backblaze as well. I, I would keep using Backblaze up until the point where you start getting a NAS is probably what I would do for, for most people, just because they've got that easy to use one flat rate where, I mean, it, it's if you do a cost benefit analysis, there's just it's it's hard to beat that with anything else. Um, and it's just it's so easy to set up. One other thing to do is every six months, just put it on your calendar or however you track stuff. Just go into Backblaze, grab that one image that you took like three days ago and just download it. Make sure that you can find that image in Backblaze. Make sure to test your backup because that way you you know, oh, hey, my photos are actually getting backed up. I just downloaded the image from two days ago. That's one thing that so many people do is they say, oh, yeah, I've got a backup. They've not opened it in two years. I think the, the line is a untested backup is wishful thinking. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, an untested backup is wishful thinking. That is terrifying to me to think about. Wow. Because there are so many times, especially as photographers, there's such a wide range of things that you could shoot from obviously client work, which would be devastating to lose because if they lose it, you're kind of responsible for that. But also 
your own personal family and like your own life and those things. And, and losing that is, is just devastating. So before we move on kind of to that next point, we covered the zero to six, we covered kind of six to 24. Can we talk about cost for a moment? Because um, if we're not shooting uh, professionally and we're just doing all this stuff for our own, for our family, um, is an external drive and backblaze in enough? Like, is, is that enough for us? Because, I mean, that seems like a relatively easy cost. Yeah, so that that's where it, it's, I mean, especially with photography, it is a money where you can put as much, mo- it's a hobby that you can put as much money as you'd like to in there. Yes. It, it is truly where... I, you can be incredibly lean with it. You, you can keep your your single lens and your your camera. And honestly, it's going to put, take every single image you ever needed it to. Same thing with an external hard drive. In all honesty, if you were somebody who is good about making sure you keep your raw files that you actually liked, and then all the other shots that you didn't want to export and you didn't like, maybe you delete those raw files. You can absolutely continue on forever with that and just making sure you've got the images you really care about. I mean, 10 years ago, a 12 terabyte hard drive was a large hard drive. Now you can get a 22 terabyte hard drive. It's not the same that it was 15, 20 years ago, where it's like <laughs> doubling every couple of years, but it is absolutely the case by the time that those computer, those cameras are having larger sensors with more megapixels and larger file sizes. By the time you're ready to upgrade that drive, well, now also the drives are also having so much more space. Yeah. And that's, that's what's, I think that's, what's hard for a lot of people to make a decision because there is that decision of, well, I could buy a large enough hard drive today to where I don't really have to think about it for years, right? Like I'm not going to shoot 20 terabytes worth of images in the next few years, but I could buy that drive if I wanted to, or I could say buy a four terabyte SSD knowing that it'll be faster probably the same price as that 20, you know, terabyte drive, but um, also more reliable. So how, how do we, can you kind of break down what the difference is between like say an internal hard drive and SSD and how we, how we make that choice? Oh, I mean, your, your SSD versus a hard drive is just such a big difference. Like it, it is remarkable how much you can feel like uh, most computers now all have SSDs internally, but now you can take a really old computer from 2014, you open it up and you, you log in and it feels horribly slow. It's probably got a hard drive in there. There are people who just take out, take those, throw in a SSD that's like a hundred bucks and it is a brand new computer. It, it is just a truly different level of experience between a hard drive and an SSD. Just specifically for, for things like editing and grabbing random files, it is remarkable. Definitely always keep your Lightroom catalog on an SSD because it, it is just hundreds of times faster to load, open and show you previews. So so it's speed. It sounds like what like what is it? Is there what's the physical difference? It's huge. I think I actually got props here. <laughs> Sweet. I'm going to have to share these uh, share this bit in the in the community here. Yeah. So I, I am one of those people who I've gone through all the different levels of SSD that you can you It's like can the size have. of a credit card right there. It's tiny. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, it is, you, you can buy massive SSDs now as well, and they are just so easy. You don't have to worry about what, one of the biggest things is if you do have a hard drive, there, there's two different types of hard drive, external hard drives, three and a half inch ones and two and a half inch ones. 
So your, your, your three and a half inch ones generally have to be plugged into a wall outlet, which is generally not great for photographers. You want to be able to, to kind of edit on the road, depending on what your workflow is. And then there's the two and a half inch ones that don't have quite as much capacity, but generally can be powered off of your computer. So that means you just plug it in via USB or USB-C and it's just off to the races. But one thing that you really cannot do is don't ever open that hard drive on something like an airplane because there are spinning disks in there that are going at 7,200 RPM per second or per minute, I guess. And those vibrations can completely shred the disk. Ah, I never thought about that. Using a hard drive on a plane, I never even considered that. So it's the movement of the plane that is... Uh... Yeah, it's it's the oscillation that that there, there's so much uh, moment of inertia going on with the, the spinning disks that if you tilt it, then all of a sudden they're now hitting the sensor arm that actually is reading the actual magnetic strip that's telling you a one or a zero that's saying what your photo is. If you actually, if you're tilting it too much as it's spinning, they will make contact and it's just going to shred the hard drive essentially. Holy cow. So uh, just to provide a uh, mental visual for people who are listening right now. So what's inside of like an internal hard drive, like an old school or like a, like a, you know, an external hard drive that you'd have on your uh, desktop is like it's like a cd inside that's spinning around constantly and it holds all that data yeah there's about 12 of them normally all stacked on top of each other Mm -hmm. with little uh, arms that go out kind of like a a sprinkler system almost that cut that jet in and out really quickly and they they actually have these little heads that are just uh, nanometers over the actual spinning disc just to read them the closer they are the more accurate they are and the smaller everything can be And that is just where vibrations, especially something like a huge oscillation like a plane can do, can really mess those up. So it is, I've had that before with a CD. I remember with my Xbox, I I didn't realize that I tilted it from 90 degrees to 180 degrees (laughs) and it shredded the drive in there. I was like, oh, I just paid $60 for that game back when I was young. Um, And it's absolutely something that can happen. And that's, that's the biggest difference between a mechanical hard drive and a all electric SSD is there's just no moving parts in an SSD. So they, they are so much harder to break. Um, they're so much more rugged. You can, I mean, don't do this, but you can throw them around and just not worry about it. <laughs> un- completely unlike a hard drive. Right. Okay. So, so, so a hard drive is more like a CD, whereas like a SSD is more like, like a memory card that we put into our computer or our, into yeah. our ca- cameras. Okay. So no moving parts. And that just makes it safer uh, uh, to travel with because there's not as much. Uh, um, it, it's more rugged. OK, so that makes sense. So um, how do you because I see that you had that external hard drive right there and you also have SSD. How do you decide which one uh, you need to pick? So I'll be honest with you. The, the hard drive is coming further and further out of fashion in a sense for 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 things just because ssds recently have just gotten so much cheaper especially in the last two years it, it is remarkable where i mean on amazon you can get a two terabyte ssd or sorry a four terabyte ssd 
for something like $220. Mm. And it's just, it is remarkable how much cheaper they've become. And there, there's a lot of real advantages to SSDs. A lot of photographers I do know, especially older ones who were kind of getting into computers and getting into editing in like the early like 2010s are very worried about a thing where, where SSDs will burn out. So that, that's probably one of the biggest worries that people have is every SSD, it's different than hard drive. Every time you write data to it, you're shrinking the lifespan of it every single time. Mm -hmm. There's The way they work is there's only so many times that the drive can be written to before it just can't be written to anymore. And it goes into a read-only state. Um, the That used to be a really big deal, especially in the early 2010s, kind of around that time. It's not nearly as big of a deal now. Now, most cheap SSDs you can find online can be written to completely like... If it's two terabyte SSD, you can dump a two terabyte file to it every day for five years and still not burn it out. Oh, wow. So it's not nearly the deal it used to be. But that was a very big issue back in the day that made a lot of people stay away from the SSDs. I'd say it's hard to, unless you really need that massive amount of space, that's the only reason why you would go with a hard drive rather than SSD. Because for prices, there's not a huge difference, especially if you're talking in the, the two to four terabyte range. There's really not that big of a difference. Okay, I gotcha. Um, so then, so if we are, if if we're just doing personal photography or we're just getting started, try to get an SSD because that's going to last the longest. It's going to be the most reliable, uh, and it's going to be faster, as you said, much faster than a than a say an external hard drive. Um, and when I say external hard drive, I'm talking like the ones that looks like a VHS like tape, not the ones that uh, that look like a credit card or something smaller like that. Um, all right, great. So we got that figured out. And now, if an SSD does fail, I guess it's great because we still have Backblaze to uh, hopefully keep us keep us safe. Absolutely. Um, okay, so now let's talk about those photographers who maybe they're shooting 24 plus months. So at this point, they were interested in photography. They got into it. They realized, oh, this is more than just like uh, uh, an interesting thing that I'm doing at the moment, but this really means a lot to me. I'm going to keep going with this. They're amassing files. Now they're working for clients, uh, multiple projects, um, lots and lots of data. Um, is the answer just to keep buying more external drives or what's next? My, so my biggest thing is as soon as you realize... Oh, I not everything I have can fit on one drive. That is where you can either go down the path that I really do not recommend, where you've got a shoebox full of hard drives with <laughs> labels on them from different years. And that's the time where it's really worth it to invest in a NAS. It is it makes your life a lot more complicated in the sense where it goes from being super simple, plug it in, it just kind of works. But the benefit of it is everything you own is in one place. It's all backed up. It handles itself. They have a thing called RAID where one of the drives can fail and it just keeps going without really having to shut down or anything and just put in a new drive and it rebuilds itself all while your data is still fully accessible and you, you can keep going like nothing ever happened. They can back themselves up and they, they start having other applications where now they start managing your photos. Now you, they can make their, themselves into a Google Drive essentially and you, you can really start to go and bring out more than just a external hard drive. Okay. So before we move forward, I know that there's people listening right now saying, I know he keeps saying the word NAS, but what does that mean? 
Here's the fastest way to start making money with your photography. Head to deliverphotos.com to sign up for a free CloudSpot account. There, you can create a digital storefront to sell your prints in just a few clicks. The most popular print sizes are 4x6s, 5x7s, and 8x10s, so be sure to offer those. With CloudSpot's global markup tool, you can create profitable pricing without any guesswork. Now, when you send a client their gallery, surprise them with a small print credit to encourage them to purchase additional prints. Look, CloudSpot really is the easiest way to deliver and sell photos online. So grab your free CloudSpot account today by signing up at deliverphotos.com now. So NAS is network attached storage. And it is, if you've ever worked at a company that had a office file server where there was the S drive at the office where you clicked on it and you could see every the files everybody else was working on and everybody shares there, that is what a NAS is. It's basically a hard drive hooked up to another computer that you talk to it over Wi-Fi or wired Ethernet. Okay, gotcha. So um, essentially it is the most kind of external hard drive because it's not connected directly to your computer. I guess it could be, but um, a NAS is typically, most people access them, say, over Wi-Fi. Is that right? Like in their own home? Yeah, so it, it comes down to, the, the the biggest thing is you access it at however your network speed is. So it's like accessing it over Wi-Fi is like accessing it over blue, uh, well, USB 2, somewhere around there. Slow. And then... Yeah, it, it's you definitely start to feel it. But for, for certain things like just previewing your images, it's it's not bad. And I actually use it to edit my YouTube videos and I'll go hang out outside on the back porch and it can edit off of Wi-Fi if I'm using proxies. So it there there is that nice flexibility. But for the most part, when you're really editing and really importing your massive catalogs, you really want to be wired Ethernet. So you just plug a standard Ethernet cable into your computer and you just plug that into the Wi-Fi router you've got that's also plugged in the NAS. And now your computer talks to it over that wired Ethernet cable. So um, this may be a dumb question, but why are we adding all of this complexity to how we connect to this? Like, what's the why not? How is this better than just having like three or four external hard drives? What's the difference here? Because now it's just one big storage target that can handle everything. That's the real advantage to it is you can start accessing it wherever you are in the world. So. Now you've got your Lightroom catalog on your internal laptop hard drive and you're in Paris and you get a phone call from a client who says, hey, I really need a black and white version that one file you sent me eight months ago. You've got access to your entire catalog wherever you are in the world. You can easily just VPN on in, just connect to it and boom, you can export that full quality raw file exactly how it was. It's that true flexibility that is one of those things that it takes a lot of work to get there. It's not just, it's not as easy as just a simple SSD plugging into your computer, but it allows you to do so much more because it's a computer itself. It can handle all these things and it's designed to give you access to your files wherever you are in the world. I got to say, if, uh, if a client called me while I was in Paris asking for a black and white photo, I would immediately hang up the phone. I'd be like, what are you doing calling me right now? This is ridiculous. I'm not dealing with this right now. But uh, I work I, with I the sentiment. A, a, yeah, I, I work with a lot of um kind of journalist photographers who who are who are taking um they they all talk about you've got to be ready when the guy dies. Like that, that is uh, so many of them have had that exact same sentiment where it's like they need to make sure that somebody passes away and they they were on tour with that guy in 1986 they can pull that image, which is a very strange thing that three different journalists-esque <laughs> photographers have told me. 
Well, I guess we are now our own uh, photo editors and uh, catalogists, catalogers. I'm not sure. Uh, as compared to you know when we just had shoeboxes full of negatives, so uh, uh, that makes sense. Uh, that's not me, but uh, uh, again, I get it. So uh, just to be clear, we're, you had mentioned something about uh, you know a drive dying and still being able to have all of that data. Um, this is because. It holds multiple hard drives in it, right? Like it's a box that holds multiple hard drives. Yeah. And so for, for people who have ever used a Drobo before, back before they went under, it was very, very, very similar where you basically have a box that's just got a bunch of slots in it and you can just plug in hard drives into those slots and then it does some magic stuff. And now all that data is kind of spread out amongst all those hard drives. And it's all kind of whenever you're reading a file, you actually get much better speeds out of it because now you're not reading from one hard drive, you're reading from six, however many you end up having on that. And so that, that's one of the things that NAS can do, though actually what's called a DAS is direct attached storage, like the Drobos and the external SSDs and stuff. You can actually get those that are little RAID boxes that give you that same capability Though, since Drobo went under, I've not found any ones that make really good, reliable ones anymore. Uh, I'm not kidding you when I tell you that I searched for weeks looking for one. And unless I wanted to Frankenstein my own, you know, uh, my own box to do it myself, um, I didn't see any good options that offered any sort of flexibility. Um, and that's ultimately why I decided to go with uh, with the Synology. And uh, you made a video on how to obviously... Con my biggest thing was... I am worried about editing, say, 4K footage um, off of it over Wi-Fi. And you had made a video on how to uh, directly connect it over 10 gig to your computer via uh, Thunderbolt. And I was just like, well, that's easy enough. That is as close to direct attached storage as I think I'm going to get. And uh, because of that video, I got to say, I've been... I've been relatively happy with it. There are obviously still growing pains from the Drobo from just how easy it was. Um, but overall, there's a lot more flexibility, which has been great. And um, having one place, as you mentioned, to know that I can put all of my photos and files and just know that they're taken care of uh, and not have to worry about what drive is it on and all the stuff. And it takes care of all that stuff automatically has been huge because on top of that, as you mentioned, if one drive fills up, like, what do you do? You just buy another drive and then that sucks because now you have to transfer all that data over. But with a NAS, you can just pop out the smallest drive, put in a larger drive. And now your data pool is much larger. You have access to more storage without really having to do much. And that flexibility is amazing because that's the thing. I mean, you just showed me three SSDs in your hand right there. You know, if you fill those up and you got to keep, you know, figuring out which one is which, that is annoying. Like, I'd rather be out there shooting than figuring out where the photo of that guy who just died is, you know? Yeah. So it's great. And that that's actually one piece of advice I do want to give anybody who's kind of starting to go down that NAS route is really, at all costs, avoid buying just a two-bay NAS. So NASs are sold in a number of bays is the easiest way that they're kind of di differentiated. And that's just the amount of hard drives that they can fit. I really do not recommend people ever buy a two-bay NAS unless they really know they're never going to need more space. Because now, especially if you're using that redundancy, it's generally a redundancy where any one hard drive can fail of the group. So if you've got two drives, that's half your space gone. If you've got four drives, 
that's 25% of your space gone. So you can have three times as much space in a four bay NAS than a three or than a two bay NAS. And the other thing is so many photographers go, well, right now I've got eight terabytes. So I'll go ahead and just get two 16 terabyte hard drives to get 16 terabytes usable space. And so quickly you start filling it up. So it's so nice. A lot of them, what they'll allow you to do is you can just put in two drives in a four bay NAS. And then when that time inevitably comes where you're at 80% full, you're like, I really need some more space. You just slot another drive and just expand it out. And a couple of days later, you've just got more space. Because the other option would be now you have to buy two larger drives if you have the two bay. Yeah. Yeah. Or a new NAS. And it just gets where your investment, it's so nice being able to just kind of grow that investment. And normally it's like a hundred dollar difference. And it just is the difference in lasting you an extra five years in a lot of cases. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good point. Let's, let's continue to talk about cost here because um, maybe I might be a, a unique use case here compared to most uh, beginners, but because my Drobo had five bays, I went ahead and bought the, is it the, uh, the, the 922? The DS nine twenty three or fifteen twenty two. Okay, uh, it's the nine. No, wait. Let me look at it. Five bays or four? No, I'm embarrassing. It's five. It's five. Okay, fifteen twenty two. There you go. That's Which the one that I bought. Yeah, I think is. I've got one right there. I I constantly have them running in this house. It's very <laughs> odd. You're like, how many do I have? So, um, I bought that, and it was so hard for me at first. I think to buy it because it was like seven hundred dollars. And there's no storage. <laughs> I also had yeah. to bring over the drives. So um, on top of, you know, I went extra and and did the the SSDs for read write cache as well as upgraded the RAM and bought the 10 gig network card. And then, of course, the Thunderbolt uh, 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 connection for it as well. I went extra. So for all mm -hmm. of those people who are thinking, if I just want to get into this, I got to spend $700 on a box that holds five hard drives. And now I have to bring five hard drives into this. Tell me, tell me who that makes sense for and who it does not, because I'm sure that there are going to be people who that does not and will never make sense for. Yeah. And that, that's, that's just where there's a, there's a high upfront cost as well as a high learning curve. Both of those things make it a, a large where it's not just, as much as I'd love to, it's NAS is not for everybody. It really is is not, and so many people can have years of photos and have a great time without ever having to go that next step with the, the full NAS. But really, who it's there for are the people who are having to work between multiple editors. You can start having one shooter, and they can just upload files to NAS, and everybody's working on them at the same time, and being able to access them from multiple devices. It's the ability to be able to access them wherever in the world. So instead of having to carry around your entire photo catalog on a external hard drive and hoping that it doesn't get lost with your bag, it's just there. That's where it's also, I I work with a lot of photographers in setting up their NASAs and it, it's great where you can set up automatic backup. So when they are traveling, their computer, those raw files are being saved over to the NAS just in case the computer doesn't come back with them for whatever reason. Mm. And that that flexibility where you're able to do so much more is where the real value in it comes in because it's it goes from being, oh, it's just an external hard drive to being an entire new computer that can do things that your computer just cannot do. Another thing now that I think about it is that with a computer, people typically upgrade that, I don't know, every 
I don't know, let's just say four years, three, four years or something like that. With a NAS being a computer as well, is that something that we're going to have to upgrade on a similar cycle? I I mean, honestly, like eight years, it, it comes down to it. That, that's why I actually kind of try to get people to buy at least the four bay NAS is because you don't have to upgrade the hardware. Mm. As long as you've got enough hard drive bays, it is so easy to be able to keep that thing going for years and years and years. I, I, I meet with people all the time who have units from 2014. It's like, wow, how is this thing still running? And it's like running an entire business. It's like, all right, well, I mean, if it, if it keeps plugging along and it works for you. And that, that's just where the, it, it comes down to a, a much shorter or much longer investment than, than something like a computer that you are going to have to, to upgrade. I see. Yeah, that was one of the things for me. I ended up choosing when I um, bought a laptop, I was now able to purchase less storage on the internal laptop because I knew that I had a large amount of external storage that I could use. And honestly, with how much Apple charges for storage, uh, <laughs> it kind of paid for itself. If I wanted to buy, you know, if I wanted four terabytes of storage inside of a, my, my MacBook here, I don't know what that would have cost. $1,500 or something like that? Ridiculous. I think it's a $1,000 upcharge oh for four gosh. terabytes of space, which is just in insane just yeah. absolutely nuts and that that's where you, you start looking at those other costs and that's where it's like okay yeah that's a lot a lot cheaper and, and, and for those people who are looking for that massive amount of, of space and being able to carry around just their laptop anymore yeah yeah exactly so um while it does seem like a huge investment to get started um I think the way that I justified it is that I was using it in a business setting, right? Like I didn't have multiple shooters. I didn't have multiple people um, editing off of my drive. But for me, the knowledge of knowing that all of my stuff was in one spot and that I didn't have to fragment um, on top of that, knowing that all of this stuff was important to other people um, and that I could now get away with having less storage inside of the computers that I do upgrade. Um, it did make sense financially for me, even though it wasn't fun to hit buy. <laughs> you know, when, when you see that uh, hit your credit card, that that is never fun. Uh, at the end of the day, the peace of mind, I have found worth it. But uh, it sounds to me like w what we're kind of ending with here is that um, a NAS isn't necessarily for everybody. Uh, it is for those who need it, but figuring out what the right solution for you is, is, is what's most important. Is that right? Absolutely. I completely agree. And that, that's where a, a lot of what I frame it in is if you are somebody who's really into computers and you can figure that kind of stuff out, then it, it's, it can be a great option. But genuinely, as, as much as I love the things, if you're just not somebody who, who really gets computers and it, it, it's honestly going to cause you more stress than it's probably going to to help you out because that that's all it is is it's it's a tool to do additional things and be able to have a workflow. I know a lot of phenomenal photographers who have their workflow and they're not changing it one bit and they're going to take unbelievable images off of whatever uh hard drive they're going to stick them to. They've got a great system where everything's perfectly cataloged and they they test it every year. But it just comes down to what is going to make sense for your workflow and how comfortable you are with these kinds of things. 
that I don't know how to end it any better than that, Will. That was uh, that was perfect because I know that, again, this can be a world that is uh, confusing. There's lots of uh, numbers and there's new terms and it can be confusing for those who are trying to learn all the new numbers and words within photography itself. So adding this whole mm-hmm. other thing is is a lot. So, again, I appreciate you coming on today. For those who are interested in learning more about maybe their options when it comes to uh, data management, specifically uh, within a NAS, if they're looking to purchase their own. Uh, where should we learn more about you? Uh, I, I make a ton of tutorials on YouTube on, on uh, SpaceRex. Just type SpaceRex in photography and you'll, you will find a bunch of stuff. I just want to give a big thank you to Will for coming on the podcast and sharing everything that he did. Now, as promised, I'm going to share with you how to start to implement some of what Will shared with us today. But first... I had two big takeaways from today's episode. The first one is just that, you know, your work needs to be protected. We have this idea that once we dump our photos onto the computer, well, then they're good. Um, There's nothing else that we can do with them. But in fact, that's when they're most vulnerable. You're moving your computer around. uh, You have other stuff on your computer. They're very easy to delete. If, you know, somebody steals your computer, if there's a power outage, like all those photos could be gone in an instant. You worked hard to capture those photos, you know, work hard to protect them as well. Takeaway number two is just the importance of understanding your needs. Not everybody is going to need a, you know, multi-thousand dollar RAID setup. Uh, But depending on, you know, what your goals are and your use of photography, maybe a simple Google Drive backup uh, might be enough, you know, but you need to have something. And lastly, if your head is spinning with everything that you heard today, no worries. What I've done is I created a photo management challenge where I'm going to walk you through how to secure your photos so that you can stop worrying about, you know, losing your images to hard drive failure, where you can streamline your collection. I can tell you that there is truly nothing better than having a solid system in place that you know exactly where your photos are when you're looking for them. And trust me, as you grow and you keep shooting, uh, it's only going to become harder and harder to find your photos. So having a streamlined collection is key. And all of this is so that you can preserve your photo legacy, ensuring that your photos stand the test of time. So that if your computer dies, if there's a power surge, if you get robbed, if there's a flood, I mean, one of the million things that could happen to your, you know, your computer and your data, if any of that happens, your photos will be protected. All without the overwhelming and technical jargon that typically goes with it. Um, And all the while, I will be there to answer specific questions and even offer recommendations if you need. So you can join the challenge uh, by coming on into the Beginner Photography Podcast community. If you're not in the community already, you can join the free and private Beginner Photography Podcast community by heading over to beginnerphotopod.com forward slash group right now and make the most out of your winter months. Again, join today, free private community heading over to beginnerphotopod.com forward slash group. That's it for today. Until next week, remember, the more that you shoot today, the better of a photographer you will be tomorrow. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Beginner Photography Podcast. Keep shooting and we'll see you next week.